0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the OI Show. Today we're joined by Dr. Tom Mai, and we're going to be speaking about virtual scribes on the OI Show. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the OI Show. I'm excited to have uh, Dr. Tom Mai joining us from Orange County. How are you doing today, my man?
1: I'm doing great. Happy to be on this podcast. Again, this is the zenith of my career. I've arrived and this is it.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's, all, it's all downhill from here. It's I all downhill. It's, uh, it's you know. Yeah, well, Todd has been, uh, been an incredible inspiration. I've been on some uh, ad boards with him and uh, just love hearing his ideas about what some of the things are that he's doing in his clinic. He's crushing it in the myopia and in the scleral space. Uh tell us a little bit about your practice. I don't I don't need to tell people. Why don't you tell people about your practice and how you got started?
1: Yeah, so we uh opened uh, cold in Orange County in Costa, uh in Costa Mesa, which is in Orange County in California. It's about uh, you know, 20-minute drive from SECO, my Alma mater. And uh we opened cold, so we had no patients for day one, but knew we wanted to go a specialty practice. We went all in for it, and now uh, I'm happy to say we're pretty busy. We've expanded once already, but we had a double size of location. We have a team of about 20, and uh, six years after opening cold. And um, my schedule, my personal schedule is uh, just purely, specialty kind of lenses and myopia. So scleral lenses, orthodontology, all day long, for the most part. My partner does mostly vision therapy, and that's for fashion. And, uh, and we do a little bit of primary care uh, on the side. My associate sees a lot of those patients, and uh, but mostly it's all about the specialties at our office. That's awesome. So,
0: um, you have uh, you have twenty staff members. Yes. If your practice is like any practice in the United States, uh, on any one given day, you could have eighteen or twenty-two staff members, and it may change on a weekly basis because the volatility of the hiring process, the changes that are going on within our, our community, it's uh, it's crazy, um, you know? And people don't show up to work some days. They decide that they've got more important things to do. Uh, some favorite TV show is on and they don't show up at work. Please tell me that this happens at your clinic, not wow. just all of ours.
1: Uh, it, it, it's never happened. Now I'm just um, <laughs> <laughs> um Absolutely, it's happened, and COVID has only made it worse. Potentially, uh, in terms of you know this post-COVID fallout, um, staffing issues and our ability to build teams and create uh, the infrastructure in terms of the uh, admin support and, and the technician support and all of the help that we need to function as doctors. The biggest challenge that we might face is really a staffing issue and an organizational chart issue that we have facing optometry today. Uh, especially in 2022, especially in my practice, especially in your practice, probably day two. And so uh, we're no different. And uh, but we're gonna talk about a few things on this episode yeah. we'll have to help solve some of those things.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh Tom and I were were were, we're talking a little bit about how we've uh, worked with people internationally in our practices. And uh, I I, I don't know if you remember this, buddy, but um, I think probably for 10 years, I've worked with uh, either a group of people or an individual or two um, internationally. Initially, I started off working with somebody in India. And then now I have um, a team of people in the Philippines that I work with um, just to support some of the programs that I'm doing, you know, like this podcast or, um, you know, some of the other consulting work that I do. And uh, these people are just able to kind of step in. There's, there's a, a group called Virtual Staff Finders and there's a, you know, a, a group that kind of has helped me in the virtual assistant uh, scenario. And I think you and I were talking about that and you have started utilizing virtual people in your practice which I was a little nervous about years ago uh, because of the safety concerns and how does this all work out? Tell us a little bit about how you have started working virtually with people and how they're helping make you a better doctor.
1: Yeah. So it's been one of the uh, best decisions I've ever made in terms of uh, improving my clinical care patients and uh, getting time back, uh, which is our non-renewable resource. And, One thing that we do is I have a virtual assistant who is from the Philippines. And uh, when you hire these people, the one thing great about them is that these are professionals. So when we hire some of our techs and some of our opticians, some of them are not professionals, right? Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is some of them don't show up to work on time. Some of them, you know, maybe are not all in. Some of them are, but um, there are some challenges there. But when you hire some in my situation, Philippines, who are a, a professional nurse, professional pharmacist, professional therapist, that's their background before yeah. I hired them, they're professionals. And what we do is we hire them and uh, we pay them an extremely high wage for, for their standard of living. And so they're very pleased and happy. This is their, this is their profession. This is for real for them, not just a, just not just a job that they're hopping from temporarily and uh these guys are great
0: let me unpack that for just a second so yeah you know i don't mean to diminish the team that i have we have in in youtube we have incredible people that work for us you know we've got this core group of people that have been with us through covid but then somebody moves and you know we have to bring in somebody new and you know these people don't go to optometry technician school for two years they don't go and learn about front desk for you know 3 years before they come to work for us we're in optometry we're hiring people you know all across the board and you know these people may have never worked in a professional setting and they don't know and you kind of have to train them how to be an adult some of these people you have to train them the importance of showing up to work because you know, maybe they worked at another facility where it was okay to not show up to work one day or another, and somebody was always covering them. And so we just are struggling with that across the board in optometry. We don't have a dental hygienist school. We don't have, you know, dental assistant training programs. And, uh, and so as Tom pointed out, you know, these people that are being hired as these virtual assistants, they tend to tend to have a professional degree, many of them, I've hired an architect who was getting paid more to work with me than she was able to get paid as an architect in the Philippines. And you're pointing out, you know, nurses, or, um, you know, in some cases, physical therapists, they, and and they want to be in the medical community. And this is even paying them more. Yes, it's just kind of an incredible thing, right? And so they act very professional. If you see them on video, they're oftentimes dressed up, uh, you know, and they yep. look professional, right?
1: That's right. They show up to the interviews, and they are in a suit. Uh yeah. And they, they, I send them an email. They respond within five minutes uh, that, yes, I can absolutely make that time. They're very accommodating. Absolutely, I'll show up to the interview. And they are re- – I I, ask, I send them tasks to do. One thing that we, when we interview anyone is that uh, – one of my assumptions when I interview anyone is that I've already hired them and I start asking them to do work to see if they can actually do it. I send them emails. Hey, can you take this personality test? I send them, uh, I ask them what time can they show up and I watch to see how long it takes for them to respond. I have them show up and I have them do some work that they're going to do if they're hired. And so anyways, uh, going back to what Dave was saying, all staff that we have here, by the way, that we have physically here though, is amazing. And they're all the right people and I love them like family. And, uh, at the same time, we've had a fear that haven't panned out yeah. and for whatever reason, and so, um, a lot of times that happens more likely because we have, uh, patients, or not patients, staff that aren't, uh, this is not something they've done for 20 years. They're not a professional in this area. Again, we'll train them, you know, from, uh, from zero experience to what we want. And sometimes we hit, sometimes we miss. But, yeah, my point was that when we have these virtual assistants from these areas, when they're professional, they're very good, they're very professional, and they can learn everything. I teach yeah. them how to do everything in the office from uh, ordering from contact lenses to insurance receivables, to scribing.
0: Yeah. So, let's talk a little bit more granular um, about this. So, first of all, uh, let's talk about how do you go about finding these people like what is the process to okay that sounds weird i want to do that where do i get people yep
1: yeah, uh, very very important part and uh, so i would you could search for your on your own on websites i think like one ba Way or some.com or uh, online.ph.jobs there are certain websites you can post and find people but uh i i think i'd rather go that step of you and hire an agency that's already vetting people or grabbing their information and making sure these are you know, good qualified candidates that have all the credentials that you might be looking for. So we hire a company called Hello Rish and they help us screen the candidates. They present the best ones that they, uh, that they believe could be a candidate for our office and they have videos of them already, uh, pre-recorded saying things so you can watch those before you meet them. And so uh, I would absolutely, uh, kind of outsource the search search part to a company yeah. in a Yeah. And, uh, and,
0: and, and acceleration is so good that mm-hmm. they're getting swapped with people requesting them right now. And so we've, uh, we've facilitated utilizing them, but we've also been utilizing another company called talk Two, and it's T a W K dot T O. And we'll post all of this in the show notes, but uh, Talk2 is another company that does this. And, you know, when I've hired virtual assistants, I tend to know more about them than I ever know about somebody who I interview here in the States, right? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, some of the agencies will have a personality profile. They'll tell you how fast a minute this person can type. They'll have a video of you hearing the person talking because that's an important thing. You're hiring somebody from, uh, you know, a non-primary English speaking country. So how well are they going to communicate? And in your case, you're utilizing somebody as a virtual scribe for you. Tell me about the process you went through to pick who that person was. And is the person you have now the first person you hired? Or have you gone through several?
1: Ah, yes. So I had one for two years. And then that's when she was my first one. She actually we just changed actually last month she had to help her, her parents open a pharmacy. So they, they coached her from us. They, and she held them off for like six months. Uh, but then, but then we, we, we then, yeah. So now we do have a new one uh, ascribing for me. And so, but beforehand, uh, just, and this is literally just a few weeks ago. Um, but the current process right now is we have her on an iPad. And so on the iPad, you just have a zoom meeting and she just follows me around just like Dave, just like you and I are talking on the zoom meeting right now. She just follows me around and we just talk all day long. And I say, I need this order me Order me trial contact lens for the patient. We just saw together. And she sees the EMR. She just uh, does like a team viewer, where <laughs> she kind of logs into my computer and she just sees and inscribes for me. And so, um, she sees my, my kind of lens orders i will say oh that patient yeah we want to order both k and i've taught her how to design and order both keratology lenses same thing with scleral lenses. i've taught her how to design and order scleral lenses so for us the, i'll give you an example it's very granular uh we have something called SMap 3d that maps the shape of the sclera i get the over a fraction over a diagnostic trial that's in the, that's in the in the emr and then she just logs in and sends all the information to the lab and orders it for me. And I, I just see the patient I'm out the door and the lens is on its way without even, yeah. without even having to tell even my other staff. And there's no handoff because she's in the room the whole time and she follows me literally eight hours a day on an iPad. She's always with me. Yeah, and so that, that communication is so seamless and easy because she's in the room hearing everything I'm telling the patients. So I charge yeah. her better and the whole process from administration began to end is also better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you use a program called Team Viewer, and this is a program that is on the computer in the exam room, and then she is on an iPad, and then she's on a computer, or, or seemingly on Zoom, and a computer at her workstation in the Philippines and then she logs into each of the computer rooms that you're in. So if you're working out of two exam rooms, she'll log out and log in. How's the computer
1: speed issue? Is that a problem? Uh, very fast. Uh, she'll get on in seconds. As, as I'm walking into the room, I'll say I'm going to exam room number two. We have five exam rooms. And so I jump, you know, around, um, I just say I'm going to examine number two or three. And then as I'm walking over, she logs in. It, it takes about five, 10 seconds. And then she's on that computer, just like I'm on We can both type on it simultaneously. Um, but uh, you know, so that's how we do it. And the patient, the best thing is the patient response. Since I've been doing this two years ago, they say, Oh my gosh, that is cool. Like I hear that literally every day. They go, that is cool. And they, they say it's like kind of sci-fi, because I'll be saying. Uh, and also, sometimes you say things out loud that you normally chart quietly, and patients think it's really cool when you say, oh, yeah, there's 200 microns of clearance on the central, over the central point of the scleral lens. Uh, there's a little bit of edge left there. Oh, well, I see a little pink Dracula on the you know, nasal side. They're like, whoa, I'm getting a really cool exam because they, they, they can hear what I'm speaking to my assistant. And so it kind of elevates the patient experience as well. They think it's, they hear how detailed we are in terms of our approach and they like that. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, uh, how are you, how are you dealing with this HIPAA and are you, are you worried about patient safety and stuff like that? How does that work?
1: Yeah. Good question. So, uh, I talked to again, I'm not a HIPAA expert, so, um, uh, no one thing that, yeah yeah <laughs> so one thing that i do is that um, i just asked the HIPAA experts so we use this company called pcs and uh, um that the owner is called joe deloche and i just asked them to look into this like hey is this kosher like obviously LOH has been doing this with hundreds if not you know thousands of other healthcare offices in the united states somehow it's working like i had them look into it i, I told them the process and they said as long as you have a baa with hello h and, uh, and and then it's fine and so I said okay and so that's kind of the extent of what I've done uh, I'll be honest I, it's been my concern as well but uh, no issues and uh, hopefully there will be no issues but uh, that's uh, that's been my approach
0: yeah and so just to clarify everybody the uh, the, the BAA is a, a business associate agreement which is something that we're supposed to have in, in place with everybody that we deal with that deals with our patients. So your glasses laboratory, your, uh, your, your contact runs laboratories, right? You should, you're supposed to have BAAs in place with all of those people. And because however or talk to our U S based companies, uh, you're dealing with that U S based company. And that's the advantage of utilizing an, U.S. company who is the staff finder is you're dealing with them, and uh, you know what they do is they go through HIPAA training with these candidates to make sure that they are certified because the toleration is on the line for the person that you're you're hiring here. Now, what kind of money are you spending to have somebody? You don't need to speak to the exact salary of your person, but kind of a range that somebody might expect to pay for a virtual, uh, team member.
1: Yeah. Uh, so you should probably expect like a range of probably six to $12 an hour is a good range. Uh, mm-hmm. that's very fair to both sides. So I mean, very fair to uh, everyone. And, uh, I would say one thing that we did, uh, is that, uh, even though the company that we hire, is set, uh, you can also bonus and give more to your to your virtual assistant and that's what we did too we paid her well beyond that amount and, uh, and we were happy to do so because she was so good that's how mm-hmm. we uh, kept her for six months longer when her parents were nagging her to join pharmacy but eventually she came because it was family uh, and they were probably struggling with staffing uh, but uh, but yeah that's uh, definitely the range that you could expect
0: yeah so I'll just bring up, you know, uh, Tom was, was kind of a, an influential force for our team to get involved in this. And uh, we don't have two years under our belt, but we started not in the virtual scribe scenario, which we're actually jumping into, and I'm forcing Tom to help me make sure I'm doing it right. But we started actually in the front, quote unquote, front desk scenario. Yeah. And what could somebody do virtually, that's not face to face with the patient. And that can involve phone calls that can involve checking insurance that can do all the paperwork ahead of time. Um, It could be outbound calls for reminders, it could be inbound calls, there's a little bit more logistics on on that side for getting the phone systems to work. But if you utilize a VoIP system, a voice over IP system, um, you should be able to get that to work. And, um, uh, there are obstacles to that, but it is something that if you work with the, uh, the, the companies, you should be able to get those things figured out and, uh, you know, it, it, it really impressive, you know, these people have been doing, uh, reception type of work, some of them for years. Right. And, uh, you know, you don't know how somebody's going to answer the phone when you first hire them and what all they're going to say. And these people are very professional. It's not uncommon we call somewhere in the United States and somebody sounds like they have an accent when they pick up the phone and you may be worried about that. But, you know, that happens all the time in, in offices around the country. And these individuals in the Philippines are very easy to understand. Um, I think that's the the concern that some people have about, well, you know, are we going to be able to understand them? And they're, they're incredible. And Tom, you probably know this, but um, the percentage of people in the Philippines that speak English as a second language per capita, I believe is the highest outside of English speaking countries where it's their primary language. I think it's number one or number two in the world where that many people speak English and they do an incredible job, which is why this Philippines, which is a really small country, why is it the Philippines has such a huge virtual assistant um, you know, uh, percentage of their population working in that arena. And uh, you know, we've supported single moms that are working from home and uh, it's just a really cool thing to do to be able to help support them. That doesn't mean that it takes the place of other people in the office, necessarily, and if we could find people, we would we would certainly want to have them. But this just allows us to expand our borders of our practices and do some other things. And, you know, that virtual scribe who's running in and out of the room doesn't get distracted by somebody buying a pair of glasses or a phone call at the front desk. They're always with you. And that's the only thing they could do. And if you did have somebody in the office, they'd probably not always be with you. Yeah. Right?
1: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And especially during COVID, it's been a, a blessing for both sides in that they're, they're happy to be at home. Uh, you know, if you do this, you're getting notes from how grateful some of these uh, uh, workers are and uh, they're very thankful for the work that you provide and uh, income you provide for their families. Uh, one of my friends, he has a virtual assistant helping run his restaurant do his, uh, do his uh, bookkeeping apparently. And she sends him pictures of like, look at the kitchen remodel I just did. And it's because of you. And mm. I, I'm so thankful for you. Thank you. God bless you. And uh, that's, these are the, the wonderful people that you can work with if you uh, give them an opportunity and it's good for your patients. It's good for your practice. It's good for you. And absolutely everyone wins. Yeah,
0: incredible. Well, I think that there's a lot more that uh, we can explore in this arena, but I think uh, we've covered some real good groundwork for people if they uh, want to get interested or get started in this. Um, it's, uh, I, I will say, Working with somebody virtually is different than working with somebody in person. It demands patience on your part. It demands a well outlined plan of what you want that person to do. And that just involves an incredible amount of communication, maybe a little more communication than you would have with somebody in the office. So patience is really a key in this, but if you want to double yourself it's going to take some time to get there and you need to train that person well. And if you get somebody and it doesn't work out, don't say that this isn't working. Try somebody else, right? I mean, just like you would if you hired an optician and it didn't work, you wouldn't stop having an optical. You'd
1: hire somebody different. That's so important when you just match it. I think what happens is people do this and they have one that workout and they think the entire category is out the window, but it's just like hiring anyone. It was just that one person. And so I wouldn't ban the whole category. But you're absolutely right. There are certain challenges to onboarding. Definitely, uh, it it, it takes a lot of work on the front end. But if you you leverage your time, because I'm I'm all about trying to always buy my time back. If I spend 10 hours training this person and they save me 100 hours later on, it is well worth the endeavor.
0: Yeah. And
1: uh,
0: if the first person fails blame yourself that your training wasn't good enough right yeah. and and the other thing i always say is if you're training somebody to do a new job your training of the second person to do that job has to be better than how you did it the first time mm-hmm. and you need to make that a process of how do i train this person right you just are training a new person to do this job and i bet you you had a lot more in play ready to go for the yeah. new virtual assistant than you did for the first time that you did it and you were training a scribe. And so you mm-hmm. have to build, uh, you have to build that capital that you then leverage with the next virtual assistants that you go along there. Standard operating procedures are a big part of this. I think that it's an important part of any job in your office to have an SOP, but also for virtual people uh, that you have great SOPs built and, um, And the person who trains any of the uh, uh, virtual assistants that you come in should have a manual and a book built for that for training of that person different than you would for somebody in office. Um, I have not trained my virtual assistants that work at my front desk. I've got a person that that's her job. She is in charge of that team of three people and she oversees them and she trains them. And when one hasn't worked out, and we had to spend more hours training the next one. We had, we had leveraged what we had built for it. It's a key aspect.
1: Absolutely. Same way. We have a training manual for everything. And my previous virtual assistant paved the way for the new one by creating a manual that's like a dozen pages long right now. I don't know how long it is, but it's at least it does it. tells says how to order lens, how to do this, how to do all that. So she, the new one gets to read it, learn from it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, Ton, thank you for joining us for this episode. It's been awesome speaking with you, my man.
1: Awesome. Absolutely my pleasure. Happy
0: yeah. to be here. Yeah, awesome content. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the OI Show. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll see you again next time.